Welcome to the Finsbury Podcast. I'm your host, Chris G, Head of Digital Strategy at Finsbury. And together, we will tackle the biggest issues affecting corporate reputation and communications. There's nothing worse than when a a brand goes to an influencer and gives such extreme guidelines that the influencer knows it's going to not perform well because their audience is just a different kind of content. Micro-influencers just return a lot more high-quality content than a lot of macro-influencers return. And in most cases, they're also really willing to kind of work with a client on a long-term basis. I've partnered with Neutrogena now for three years, and my followers know it and they love it. So you've all heard the saying, Advertising is saying that you're good, and PR is getting someone else to say you're good. Well, in the space between advertising and public relations, influencer marketing has emerged in a big way. So currently, influencer marketing is a $4.5 billion industry, and it's projected to be a $10 billion industry by 2020. When you see a tweet or an Instagram post from one of your favorite celebrities showing off the good life with a cool outfit, a new beauty product, or a beautiful vacation spot, there's a chance the star has a good reason to tell you about it. Money. NBC's Jolene Kent shines our Sunday spotlight on influencers cashing in on their legions of social media followers. And now, even your next-door neighbor could be cashing in on the big business of being an influencer. 27-year-old... In fact, influencer marketing has grown so quickly, the marketing and communications industry has at times struggled to answer some pretty fundamental questions like, how do you measure the ROI of influencer campaigns? Or how should individual influencers be valued, based on overall numbers or followers or some other metric? And ultimately, how should companies and agencies, for that matter, think about working with influencers? To help me unpack this topic, I spoke with Alyssa Amoroso, a social media influencer, as well as Stephen Lamertink, founder and CEO of an influencer marketing network called The Circle. And you may know me as publicity on Instagram, but now I'm putting my- five years ago, Alyssa and I were colleagues at a Manhattan based PR firm. Since then, she's made the transition from PR pro to full time social media influencer. All right, so let's dive right in. Perfect. What's the biggest change you experienced going from a PR agency pro to a full time social media influencer? It was definitely just going from having a structured job to having a non-structured job. I went from working, you know, usually nine to six or seven. (laughs) Yeah, to really just being on my own and creating my own schedule. And I am the brand. Part of my brand is showing my life. So that's weekends, that's vacations. That's times with friends or loved ones. So I would say the biggest adjustment was really from working and being on a structured schedule to then being out on my own and trying to figure out how to carve out time for things because it's easy to find yourself working at 10 p.m. or going to events all day and working all night. So really just trying to find that balance. What do you think is the most underrated metric you don't see many companies paying attention to? I think people really need to pay attention to reach, not impressions. Because 
impressions are, you know, how many times that one photo was maybe seen. Like you could see the same photo 10 times and that goes towards the impressions number. But the reach is really how many people are seeing it. And to me, I think that that's more powerful. I understand that from a brand awareness um, perspective, you want your brand to hit a consumer, let's say seven times before purchase or whatever it may be. But when you're looking at influencers numbers, I think reach is really admirable because the more people that they're reaching, um, that's really the audience and that's really what you're paying for. So if you're paying for things like follower count or likes, that doesn't necessarily reflect their audience. And what do you think about engagement rate as a metric? Um, no, I'm not a fan. I think that, I mean, I'm a former publicist, so I, I get it. Um, we, you know, engagement rate, everyone needs to have above 2.5 or 3%. You're not going to find it. Like, it doesn't mean that the person isn't influential. Um, there's very few influencers that really have that organic reach that are getting likes like that or comments like that. For example, in the past few months, my um, impressions have quadrupled, but my likes are pretty low right now because no one's liking photos like they used to. It's just not the same. There's so much content. It's quick. People, you know, look at your photo for two seconds and, and scroll on. People are hardly reading captions. So I think that you really can't go off of that number. I find myself um, scrolling on Instagram sometimes just looking and not liking anything. And then I'll catch myself because, you know, I would want people to like my photos and I'll think, Alyssa, go back and go like those people's photos because if they did this to you, you would be upset. And you have to catch yourself sometimes, but I just don't think it's a true representation anymore. I think that brands really need to familiarize themselves with the influencers, Instagram stories, see their personality and how they're engaging and interacting with their followers, the relationship that they have with their audience. If you had one piece of advice to give to a communications pro who is considering working with influencers for an upcoming campaign, what would it be? It would be to just do your homework. Take 50 people, maybe create an account that's like just to follow those influencers so you could just have that content and like sit with those profiles for a week or two and 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 get to know the influencers that you're wanting to work with. It just makes it more authentic. You'll really get a taste for what you feel. And another big thing is let them tell you what kind of content will will perform best. There's nothing worse than when a, a brand goes to an influencer and gives such extreme guidelines in terms of color or look and feel or whatever it may be that the influencer knows it's going to not perform well because their audience is used to different kinds of content. You have to take the influencer's opinion to mind. We know what's going to work well in our channels and we know what will get the most engagement and impressions and eyes on our content. So don't think that you know better than the influencer. And if that means that you're working with 10 influencers and all of their content looks different, that's okay because it's still reaching the most people that way. So I think brands need to loosen the reins a little bit when it comes to content guidelines. Yeah, that's a, that's a good piece of advice. I see a lot of brands who really try to sort of almost um, reproduce their brand guidelines with exactly. respect to influencer content. Yep. Yeah, it's a big mistake. Because mm-hmm. because really, if if what you know, if if you knew how to reach and engage the audiences you were you were trying to reach and engage, you wouldn't need the influencer in the first place. So they have a lot that they can teach the brand. Exactly, that's exactly it.
Okay, so let's say you think an influencer marketing strategy is right for your organization. How would you even find the right influencers? And once you did find influencers, how would one approach coming to terms with them? That's where companies like The Circle come in. Hi, my name is Stephen Lemmertink, and I'm the founder of Circle. Circle is a network of around 7,000 influencers from over 50 countries. Those influencers collectively reach around 250 million consumers. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us on our podcast. Thanks for hosting me. Can you tell us a bit about The Circle and what it does? So I'm the founder and CEO of The Circle. It's originally a Dutch company, and we quickly made the move towards the uh, United States of, uh, of America, which is currently also our biggest market. And really what we do is we've developed influencer attribution software and an influencer marketing platform to help companies launch influencer campaigns worldwide and also be able to track what type of revenue and what type of conversions these influencers are actually returning to them as a business. What is the benefit of working with influencers? I think there are several, right? So first and foremost, I think what really good influencers are typically very well equipped with is just be able to create beautiful content. Off the back of that content, obviously, they have a huge audience that they can tap into. And then the third piece is probably that most of the prices that these influencers charge for the content and the quality of the content that they produce is relatively affordable. I'm sure you see it all, but what are a few mistakes that brands make when they're planning influencer campaigns? What we've really seen over the past few years is that, you know, that entire influencer marketing space has evolved tremendously, right? So first and foremost, I think like four or five years ago, when we first started, there were just companies dumping down huge amounts of money into influencers and just paying for a piece of content with some kind of ridiculous prices. And then, you know, as technology always does, it has added so much transparency to, you know, the actual audience that you're, for instance, targeting right now. What kind of demographics you're targeting when you're working with a specific influencer, how much you should be paying someone, all of those kind of things. So clients are becoming more tech savvy and they're also, you know, better equipped to really use all of that information and the metrics and benchmarks that some of these platforms pass back to them. When you look at, you know, some of the traditional mistakes that, that were made, uh, which were predominantly just overpaying influencers for the work that they were actually returning to a business, I think most of that, you know, air has been squeezed out of the market. And second to that, I think that a lot of clients just didn't really have a clue what influencers were a brand fit for them. And I think a lot of software has kind of solved that problem today. And then the third and, you know, missing piece, which I think is most important, especially when you, when you dump down, say, fifty to $100,000 in any type of, you know, marketing campaign is how does it contribute to, you, you know, your sales at the end of the line? And I think that's still a bit of a black box that hopefully over the, over the coming few years will be sold. How do you measure the impact of your influencers on campaigns? I mean, there are a lot of kind of metrics that you can look at. For instance, you know, engagement rate is a really good proxy for how the audience of the influencer actually perceives the content. But we can also like look algorithmically into fake follower accounts and bot farms and all of that. So that's natively baked into, you know, at least our platform. So that's also how we try and guarantee to our clients that they're actually working with influencers who have authentic audiences. What you typically see is that larger influencers typically have larger sizes of, you know, fake followers or not really like notable or credible followers. So you see strategies of a lot of clients shifting towards, you know, basically collaborating with 
um, a wider range of micro influencers rather than macro influencers, which I think is a really good strategy because if you look at it from like the outset, micro influencers just return a lot more high quality content than a lot of macro influencers return. And typically the price is also a lot cheaper and more affordable. And in most cases, they're also really willing to kind of work with a client on a long-term basis because I'm not a big believer of doing kind of these one-off type of programs. I think there has to be like a long-term mindset in any type of marketing campaign that you activate, whether it's through influencer or TV or radio or programmatic, it needs to have like long-term impact. So that's what we try and really hone down on. If you had advice to give to a brand or agency currently thinking of creating an influencer marketing campaign, what would it be? Don't look at, you know, influencer marketing as kind of a, a standalone success by itself. As any, you know, really good marketing campaign, there are different blends and mixes that you need to tie into an influencer campaign meeting. If you've made sure that influencers are actually producing content, can you connect a paid social piece to that to amplify content into audiences that you were not able to reach by collaborating with, you know, one single influencer? And then also really look at if you take several steps back, really take your time to select and recruit the right influencer for your brand. And, you know, realistically, in some cases, that may take a few, you know, weeks, sometimes months to really find a set of really good influencers that actually deliver some form of return, whether it's content or revenue or audience kind of size uh, to you as a business. And then really also complement your influencer campaign with something that actually helps you either collect email leads or generate revenue or conversions off the back of that or help drive customers into your store. And then second that with a banner or programmatic campaign to keep repeat purchases going. Yeah, make sure that all of those components are in place because I don't think that an influencer campaign in itself is great, but you do need something to keep the wheels spinning. Steven, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with us. My pleasure, Chris. Hopefully talk to you soon again. It's important to remember that while most of the social media influencers we think about are promoting products, it's also possible to utilize relevant influencers to promote brand values and bolster corporate reputation. And while influencer marketing will undoubtedly continue to evolve, in the age of social media, it will continue to be important to have influential third-party voices as advocates. That's all for this episode. Join us next time for a compelling conversation about corporate storytelling. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our new subscribers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate the show and tell others about it. See you next time.